October 10th, 2023. Was January 6th, 2021 an insurrection? Why are J6ers insurrectionists, but BLM is not? Breaking down President Trump's insurrection charges. Common in-trial motions, important post-trial motions, and top motions to file during an appeal. Hello, this is Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry. Join our live conversation on this important topic by posting in the live chat or calling in to 616-303-0093. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello everyone, I'm Constitutional Attorney Katherine Henry and I welcome you to this, our first episode where we're live streaming uh, while attempting to be able to take um, live phone calls today. So um, bear with me because I'm not able to see our chat for some reason, um, which would be a problem. So give me a second here. Um, why is that not showing? Had it all figured out. Awesome. All right, guys, give me a second. I'm going to have to open it in a different window so I can at least see the YouTube chat while we're doing this. So, Um, but today, uh, as you bear with me uh, as I'm trying to get this stuff pulled up, today what I want to do is talk about the seven short episodes that we have uh, live stream or not live stream shared with you recently. Um, a new way of doing things. We talked about it previously. Um, give me a second here. I am. Giving myself on oh great now it's not going to show me the chat that's awesome oh good gravy ah okay I almost can see it it's not playing nice with me um. Yeah, so Lori's telling me it didn't pull the scheduled live. It won't do that. Um, it just occurred to me at 12.58 or 11.58 that uh, Lori and I hadn't figured out the logistics on how to schedule the live. This, um, doing it this way, Lori, we got to go through stream forwarding. It's not, I'm not in Melon. So anyway, um all right, so we got, this is a public service. We have the Liberty Cause, Big Bad John, Lori. Uh, so far, those are all that I could see. If you are in Facebook, uh, please say something. Let us know that you're, um... nope, Lori, it should be streaming on Rumble. If you want to check right now, uh, but I selected Rumble in the stream forwarding. So the 1010 thing was set up. Um, it should be going. And Mike says he's listening on Rumble now, so. I at least got that right. Um, it's just 
I forgot to uh, to um, do the final connections to make sure we were going live through OBS uh, and stream forwarding in our other software. But anyway, okay, so we're on Rumble. We are on YouTube. If you are on Facebook watching us, I know one of our friends, Roger Sullivan, usually watches or Jane uh, usually watch us on Facebook. So if you're one of our Facebook friends out there today, comment. Um, uh, anyway, if you are on Facebook, if you could please give us a shout out in the comments so I could see and I could figure out if in fact the uh, the comment chat widget thing that I got set up today is going to work for uh, Facebook as well. That would be awesome. But uh, what I want to do today, and uh, sorry, I didn't have it all. Well, whatever. I'm going to go with this. All right. So what I want to do is welcome you to call in today and ask questions. That's the first thing I want to do is have you ask questions. Um, oh, no. There's three comments on Facebook, and I'm apparently not seeing them. So I'm really sorry, guys, if you are on Facebook and commenting in the chat. Apparently, I can't see it live but um, maybe Lori can help us um, convey any questions that you have on there. But it still works for you to pick up your phone and give me a call. So I'm going to go back to that number. If you want to give us a call today and talk about any of the seven topics that we have shared with you recently, the description was in today's video, then uh, go ahead and give us a call at 616-303-0093. Uh, because this is, and this is just our dedicated call line. If you try to call this number during the times we're not doing this live show, then you're not going to get us and we don't check the voicemail. Uh, so anyway, this is just a dedicated line just to being able to take calls uh, regarding the important topics that we have at hand. And you have to forgive the flubs and technical mishaps as I'm an attorney, not a computer uh, tech expert in any stretch of the imagination. And I have no one here uh, with me to help the logistics uh, with me in the room or anything like that. So bear with me. I'm doing my best. But um, anyway, what I want to do is encourage not uh, just the conversation in the live chat, but for you to actually call in with questions or comments, concerns, anything about the seven topics we've talked about. Now, if you missed the seven topics that we talked about recently, it was... Um, I started off with, I think, in-trial motions. Uh, then I talked about um, motions that you want to file after trial. Um, I talked about motions that you want to file during appeals. I know I'm missing one somewhere in there. Uh, there's a fourth one relating to, to court or motions or something. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. But uh, then we also had the uh, the three most recent videos that we shared with you Friday, Saturday, and Sunday this weekend uh, talking about the January 6th insurrection stuff, uh, Trump's charges breaking down uh, those insurrection charges as the media is talking about them, uh, as well as comparing BLM events throughout the last three years with the January 6th, 2021 event. And the logistics of it all, the legal definitions, is it really an insurrection that people talk about it as, things of that nature. So with that being said, um, I'm just going to open it up. So make sure if you want to have any comments or questions shared on any of that, that you go ahead and give us a call. Um, I am going to ask Mr. Henry, I know you're there. I know you're listening. Um, go ahead and give us a call to that 616-303-0093 so I can at least make sure 
that it's working today the same way that we tried it out for the last couple weeks. <laughs> so um, I'll at least know that that's up and running. Um, very, uh, very, very low tech way that we have of putting this all together because we're on a very limited budget. Uh, speaking of which, if you would like to um, be able to fund any of the work that we're doing in this regard, please reach out and let me know. You can either make a donation right to our website, restorefreedomkh.com slash donate, or you can reach out to us, uh, call us on our normal number or text or email so that we can figure out the best way that you can donate for what it is you are trying to help us with. You can donate to specific constitutional endeavors and projects or uh, just in general to the whole thing that we're doing. So um, I'm not sure. I don't know, Lori, maybe we'll have Jeff, anybody out there. If you guys can give me a call at 616-303-0093 as the phone number shows on the screen here. I'd love to have you call in uh, and share your thoughts about the topic or at least say hi. So I, I know at least the phone is working. There we go. All right, we have our first caller. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I know so this voice. Some of you want... may not. <laughs> Are you there? Did I lose you already? Oh, good gravy. Did you mute yourself? Because you were there just a second ago. And it looks like I'm still in the phone call. All right. I'm going to hang up on that lovely gentleman that just called in. Very handsome. But uh, I'm going to see if we can get him back on. Give me a second here. We're going to call him. The Google Fi Wireless oh. subscriber you have called is not oh. available. Please leave a message. Hello. Hello. Yeah. All right. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Hopefully everybody else okay. can hear you now. Let us know in the chat if you can hear Mr. Michael Henry on the phone with us today. Yeah, right. so I just wanted to say that I like the new format. Um, you can pack in a ton of information in 10 minutes. I don't know of anyone else that can put more information in a 10-minute slot. And the new the new segments are, they're very Dinesh D'Souza-esque. <laughs> if I was to if I was to describe them, they're they're very much like that. And it's a very interesting perspective that you have on a lot of these subjects that I haven't heard anywhere else. And also, um, I am a very lucky dude. Um, my wife is very attractive. Oh, thank you. Well, one of your kids was teasing me today about trying to curl my hair. So um, <laughs> at least you like it. So um, I can imagine which one that was. <laughs> yes, you probably have it right. Um, all right, so the Liberty Cause says that he can hear you loud and clear. That's awesome. Um, 
and uh, the storm after the calm on, actually, I can't even tell what uh, that um, platform is that they're on, but anyway, saying being former IT, there's always something going wrong with users, hardware or software. Hey, this is not a user issue. This is definitely a hardware and a software issue if anything's going wrong, because we have not been able to get through any of these without the software malfunctioning or the hardware just deciding it needs a nap. So anyway, um, so do you have any co comments, uh, Mr. Henry, on the um, insurrection videos that we did? Did anything strike you as something that uh, maybe you didn't think about before or just a new way to look at it? Um, well, the, the, the uh, legal knowledge that you bring to these subjects, uh, I don't know anyone else talking about these that, that has as much to say. I mean, maybe, maybe Levin, um, but honestly, I haven't heard him, his, his uh, podcast uh, lately. So uh, that's what I find the most interesting is is your statements on the insurrection and how these people were just um, fulfilling their their rights as citizens of the United States, and they're being prosecuted for it. The vast majority of them, and I think you said one tenth of one percent of the people there were causing problems. Yes. Everyone um, else there were law-abiding citizens, you know, carrying out their their rights as U U.S. citizens. So. Yeah, and just to clarify, guys, um, the videos that we um, recently released on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, again being about J six and whether it was an insurrection and whether the actions of J sixers are an insurrection, but BLM activities uh, don't qualify as an insurrection. Comparing those, and then. Of course, um, I think I think it was the final one um, that I released on Sunday that actually broke down J D Donald Trump's charges relating to the J6 supposed insurrection um, and what that all entails and what are the actions they're claiming he did that were criminal in that scenario, etc. Um, so in that, um, I in at least one of the videos, I talked about the numbers and there were um, best estimates that I could see on government websites, according to them, is that there were 120,000 people there on January 6, 2021, protesting uh, the um, votes of um, the presidential electors being counted and, and wanting the investigation done into all the allegations of election fraud, etc. And so anyway, um, if you look at the, the, this is the government's own numbers, 120,000 people and if you also look at the DOJ and the FBI websites, um, you'll see that they have charged um, 1,100, I want to say it's 1,106 people with any kind of offense whatsoever. But the vast majority of those are nonviolent offenses. In fact, based on the numbers on the government's own websites, um, I want to say it's the DOJ's website that kind of broke it down, but it's 123 people, 123 people that have been charged with violent crimes. Uh, crimes of assault or battery or whatever. Um, and so all the rest of the numbers, it was almost a thousand people, I want to say, that were charged with um, being on the property or something of that nature. Because they do say that um, 
they estimate 1,200 people actually entered the building that day on uh, January 6, 2021. Uh, entering a building, entering the Capitol building, should not be a federal crime, especially when it's during a session. Those people work for us. This is a constitutional republic. They work for us. They should have to face the American people as they're voting on matters of national concern. And quite frankly, if they're voting on uh, matters that are not of national concern, then how about they not take a vote on those things? Their whole job there is to represent people, uh, the entire U.S., and to do the daily tasks of our federal government. It's not to, um, well, it's not to do the vast majority of the things that they waste their time doing. So... At any rate, um, yeah, so you said um, it struck you that there, that there was um, uh, less than one-tenth of one percent of people that were actually even charged with violent crimes. Is that, is that the statistic you were kind of thinking about there? Yeah, that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, the, the other thing I want to say is this: with this format and having people call in with questions, this is how you got your start doing um pod, podcasts or or videos it's it started out as instructional you were you were reading um documents um briefs or or judgments and instructing uh people in michigan about what was going on in their government but uh it was really the questions when people would uh, text in or or uh, chat in questions about what you were talking about, that I think um, people found the most valuable because you know they had a connection to an attorney that had answers. Maybe not all the answers, but a lot of answers that you know the general public just doesn't get. They don't have it. They don't have those answers. They don't. They don't know a lot of these things. And uh, your Pretty much free advice um, on YouTube or Facebook. I think people found a lot of value in. So I'm hoping that this same format can do that for people as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we talked about trying to figure this out. Actually, we've been trying to figure this out, as you know, because you're married to me. Um, <laughs> we've been trying to figure this out for a long time. Uh, trying to have the ability to do call-ins and we checked into Twitter spaces and we checked into the podcasting software that we use. Um, but with each one of those, you have to have that app and you have to know how to get into that. And, you know, we might lose a lot of people uh, in that regard. And so at least doing it this way, um, you know, you all you have to have is access to a phone and give us a call at 616-303-0093. Uh, that is our live call-in show phone number. That's not our main office phone number. So if you have the other one, don't call that right now, looking to get on here and ask the questions. But we want you to ask questions. Um, like Mike pointed out at the beginning, I, I had never done, uh, I'd never posted a video, let alone done a live before May of 2020. May of 2020, yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't really like social media. I don't watch other people's videos. I, that's not my thing. Um, and I don't like watching my own videos cause I'm just not a video watch, watcher. 
but it was the way when the news was not really covering what's going on, when they were not explaining things in detail, when they were not telling people what the law actually says, what the Constitution actually protects, what the limits on government actually are, uh, somebody had to do it. And so I remember the first set, um, I want to say it was like a 10 minute long video, I think anyway, I don't even remember how long it was. But anyway, it was, it was a video that we were, um, you were recording me and I was going over uh, that at that time, Governor Whitmer in Michigan was having her little, you know, nightly um, conferences about COVID and she had Dr. Janae Keldoon on there, the, uh, you know, the lead COVID expert, supposedly, in the state of Michigan at the time. And um, so they were going through, you know, statistics and facts and this and that, and, and basically running through a bunch of information. But it was so easy, if you really had done your own homework, it was easy to see, even from the beginning, from March and April and May of 2020, to see how they were just full of BS and lies. So I took to my notes and wrote a bunch of stuff down and and posted a video that argued against some of the things that they were saying and pointing out how things were completely inaccurate uh, and very misleading, sometimes outright bald-faced lies. And, but I remember recording that. I wasn't going to do that one live. I recorded it and we must've worked on it for like, I don't know, an insane amount of hours just trying to get it just right because I'm definitely afraid of a camera and I don't like speaking in front of people, but it obviously became something that people were needing because lo and behold, uh, we ended up doing hundreds of videos um, live and otherwise uh, mostly live throughout 2020 and then continued on in 2021 and, and forward, um, just answering people's questions and, you know, talking about the topics that the media doesn't want to cover or uh, the topics they are covering, but without the political uh, leftist slant to them. So, Yes, uh, I too hope that we'll get some more people calling in and um, let me see. I'm gonna double check my little screen here. Okay. So, yeah, I don't see that anybody else is calling in. Give us a call, 616 303 0093. We want to encourage you to ask questions about. You know, why, why, is, um, why are J6ers considered insurrectionists, but BLMers are not? You know, what goes into uh, the, the main four charges that Donald Trump was indicted on relating to the supposed January 6th insurrection? Uh, why are they doing that? You know, these are all things that we've talked about in those shorter videos. And I will apologize, guys, because my goal was to have you know, between one and three, um, 10 minute videos, max, ten, max 10 minute videos per week shared with you. But when I got into those last topics on the insurrection and BLM and the indictment charges and all things like that, man, I could not, uh, hi, Amy on YouTube. Thanks for joining us today. Um, I could not get, um, you know, it boiled down to only 10 minutes for um, some of those topics. So two of those videos are close to 15 minutes, but hey, it's still 15 minutes, not two hours. So what can you say? Um, okay, so Crystal on Facebook, thank you for carrying it over, Lori, because for some reason it is not working on this side. But uh, she says, why has this crap the last four years been allowed to keep happening? Um, so why, um, why has it been allowed to keep happening is a very good question. Um, and the answer really is this. The American people have allowed it to keep happening. 
uh, at this point, you had a lot of people waking up in 2020 and 2021. Lots of people all over the country were waking up and and deciding they were, you know, they're going to stop riding the fence and they were going to jump down on one side or the other and hit some of these issues head on that they've been, you know, burying their head in the sand about for years, decades, maybe their whole lives. It pushed a lot of people that were never politically involved or possibly never even voted into doing their own research, into having these conversations and discussions and going to government events, going to protests, learning more. And that's all great. Those are all great outcomes and a good example of how God can can take what was used for evil and turn it into something good. Those were the good outcomes of 2020 and 2021. But then I'd say by the second half of 2021, you really started to see this huge decline in people that are like, well, my particular governor has, uh, you know, stopped the the uh, orders that require masking in public or this or that, or, you know, they've opened up most of the businesses here or, or the kids in my, my area are allowed to go back to school now, you know, so I, I don't really have time to deal with all this. And that's not what we should be uh, thinking about. We shouldn't be thinking about um, the, yeah. And so Amy says, folks just don't have enough courage to take on the enormity of what's happening. That is true. It's courage. It's it's bandwidth. I had um, someone I love very dearly. Uh, he's uh, a member of my family. And he said to me that he finds it hard to watch some of my videos. And this has been, you know, one of my biggest supporters throughout this whole thing, you know, since 2020, certainly. And I was taken aback a little bit by that. I didn't really see that coming. But what he continued to explain, uh, he sent me an email about this um, a couple days ago. What he continued to explain was that it's not, it's not how I'm presenting it. It's not the truth of the material that I'm presenting or, you know, the manner in which I bring it to people or anything like that. What he's struggling with is the overall way that our, our country, it just seemingly is being flushed down the toilet, that government officials are corrupt at all levels. Uh, they're corrupt in all branches of government. They are corrupt in every community, large and small. It doesn't matter if you're in a, a Democrat state or a Republican state. Uh, there's just corruption and a breakdown of trust. There's certainly a huge lack of transparency. And so for a lot of people, those topics are just hard. They're hard to, uh, or those, um, those conditions, I'll say, it's hard to get past that and still feel like there's hope and that there's a way to keep moving forward and keep uh, participating in the freedom fight. Um, I'd love to have your thoughts. Somehow it says I missed a call on here. Um, well, I guess we'll give him back a call back. I don't know how I missed a call. Or I won't call him back because, you know, it's going to play games with me. Who it is. Hello. Please state your name after the tone. Well, I don't know who you were that were calling me. Hello, this is Catherine. Who is this? Catherine, your favorite Floridian. <laughs> oh. Just want to say how much uh, we appreciate having you here in Florida and what a great asset you're going to be to the state of Florida, Michigan. Um, unfortunately, you know, they lost a great asset and we gained one. Well, I appreciate that. Um, I do want to remind everybody, though, that 
I'm still a Michigan licensed attorney and I'm still following up on things happening in Michigan on a regular basis. And I'm still here to educate and empower everybody across the country, but certainly those in Michigan. I mean, shoot, I got two of my adult kids are in college in Michigan. My parents are in Michigan. My in-laws are in Michigan. Um, I have nieces and nephews in Michigan. Michigan, I was born in Michigan. Um, and um, all of our daughters were born in Michigan. My son was born in Minnesota. But, uh, you know, so Michigan is a big part of who we are. And shoot, if you guys have any kind of group that wants to learn more about the Constitution or how to break down some of these barriers that government's putting into place, let me know. Reach out to us. And I'd love to come up to Michigan for a, a quick trip to do a presentation or even come by Zoom or anything like that. So, um, but yes, um, thank you, uh, caller, for the encouragement and um, the the words of support. I appreciate that. Um, did you have any particular thoughts on any of the topics that we've been covering in the last uh, few weeks? The the motions that just kind of educating people on what kind of motions there are. Maybe they're just watching some of these cases unfolding with Donald Trump or others. Um, or uh, perhaps uh, some of the insurrection, BLM kinds of things. Anything jump out at you in any of those videos that you might want to chat about? Um, I mean, I think you, know, you did a great job on all that. You covered all the bases very, very well and explained very well what is and what isn't, especially, you know, in the law. The thing I wanted to, to really talk about, though, and mention and just kind of dovetail off of something that you had said a few minutes ago talking about God. And I think that is probably the key thing that we are missing now in this country. And when we think about it, we go back to our revolutionary roots. And we have got, you know, less than 3% of a population of about 5 million people that defeated the greatest empire on earth. And the, the reason that they were able to accomplish that is very simple, because they all settled on God's law and God got behind them. And we are so fractured now that we have got to create, the, we've got to set aside that throne for God again. And this has got to be about not us, but about reestablishing God's kingdom and God's throne in America. Exactly. Exactly. And that actually, um, I have, uh, I don't know if it's going to be one of my 60 second videos or one of my 10 minute videos, but I'm working on one later today that I'll hopefully release tomorrow or Thursday. Uh, but I've, I've been, I wanted to take a look at what does it really mean about having God in our government and God in America? Um, so some people, you know, just focus on their own, how that affects them and praying, uh, praying for their government leaders and, you know, um, praying for those in the military services and things like that. Um, and then you have some people that get into huge philosophical debates or political debates about, you know, well, what does the Constitution say about having God in our government? And, you know, is there separation of church and state? Or is there supposed to be a separation of church and state, et cetera? Um, anyway. Um, no, there is nothing in the Constitution that says that there is a, a separation of church and state, people get misinformed. That was actually a letter written by Thomas Jefferson that had those words separation of church and state. Um, the, the First Amendment, of course, guarantees that, you know, that the practice of religion will not be encumbered, you know, but beyond that, or that there will not be a state religion. But God had been part of our founding from day one. 
You know, all if you look at all of our founding documents, you look at the Declaration of Independence, you look at the Constitution, even going back to the Articles of Confederation, they talked about the creator. They always talked about the creator and where rights came from. Uh, another really good essay is the 1772 Samuel, um, yeah, Samuel Adams, The Rights of Colonists, where Samuel Adams in 1772 was talking about how the colonists' rights came from their creator, not from government. Right. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest thing. So for those of you um, not sure what to take of some of the comments that I'm seeing in the live chat on uh, on this topic here. But at any rate, for those of you who, you know, you don't want you don't think that God and government should mix or anything of that nature. Think about it this way. If you're saying that God and government have nothing to do with each other and, you know, God doesn't exist and all this other stuff, then where are your rights coming from? You're essentially saying then that your rights come from the government because maybe that's what you think if, if, you know, we won't even talk about what happens in other countries. Here in our country, we have a constitutional republic. Article 4, Section 4 of our U.S. Constitution guarantees us that, that republican form of government where we, the people, retain ultimate control and authority. And why did we put it into place? Look at the preamble. There are several reasons listed, but one of the most important, I would say, it's a capital B and a capital L is that we are there to secure our blessings of liberty and uh, to ourselves and our posterity. And you can look at all the all the state constitutions, some that came before the U.S. Constitution, some, uh, you know, many that, of course, uh, were drafted afterwards. But what do they all have in common? Every single one of them has some sort of reference to the divine. Yes, even in hardcore liberal states, they all have a reference to God or uh, the his divinity or blessings of uh, liberty. Blessings, of course, don't come from the government. Blessings come from God. So, you know, you have to think about that in, in terms of just a logical, just take a step back and look at the logic of it all. Uh, your rights have to come from somewhere. So are you saying that they come from our creator or are you saying they come from the government? And uh, if you're saying they come from the government, what does that mean? Logically, that the government can then turn around and take them away from you at any point in time. That if they that, if they give them to you, they can take them away. What was that caller? I said at that point they're no longer rights; they're privileges. You know, the government you know can grant privileges, but cannot grant rights. And you know, I, I see this all the time. The when people think that states, they look at states and they ask, well, states' rights. Well, okay, you think states have rights? Where do you get that from? And if they'll say, well, you know, the Constitution, and I'll say, so you're, you're thinking of the Tenth Amendment, right? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Go read it again. Go and then go read the Ninth Amendment. The people have rights. The states have powers, and those powers are granted by the rights of the people. So governments don't even have rights. They have powers. Only people can have rights that were granted by our Creator. People created the government. They can grant privilege or power to the government. But the creator of people can grant rights. Yes. Yeah, so that's important. And I'm so glad that uh, that you've been listening to really good um, uh, topics on this. <laughs> because um, you, you and I have definitely had conversations on this. Uh, but yes, that's, that's a very important point. States don't have rights. Read that Tenth Amendment. The words "rights" do not exist anywhere in uh, in the Tenth Amendment. In fact, 
I wonder why the Tenth Amendment is part of the Bill of Rights other than to show that it's the right of the people to retain all powers that they don't specifically delegate to the federal or state governments. If they're not delegating a particular power for those governments, then the people then retain that power because they're inherently given all the the power, uh, the sovereign authority, etc. So, um, exactly. Um, you can look at almost any state constitution, including Florida's Article One, Section One of the Florida State Constitution. All political power is inherent in the people. And almost every state has that in their constitution, that the, all the political power is inherent in the people, not in the government. They're supposed to be our representatives, not bartering and compromising with our rights. And that's exactly what they're doing on a daily basis. In every capital, in every state, every day is bargaining and compromise going on with our rights. And that's what needs to stop. Yes, and uh, I just want to give a shout out to um, Liberty Lighthouse on YouTube, who says they have delegated powers. Delegation is a temporary loan of power that can be taken back if the government fails. Exactly. And not only can it be, but it should be, because uh, as our Declaration of Independence points out, we have the obligation, we have the duty to fight back against tyrannical government action and government officials that are stepping outside of the bounds of their proper authority and power that has been given to them. So, yeah, you know, somebody, I forget who it was now at this point, was, you know, asking the question. I think it was um, perhaps uh, Crystal on Facebook uh, that had asked the question, well, why is this stuff allowed to keep happening? And it's because way too many people have just become too complacent and they just go, okay, well, that's just the way it is. Or maybe they're not awake to a lot of what's going on. Uh, maybe they've, they, you know, woke up to what's going on uh, on the bigger topics, you know, like federal mandates or, you know, entire states being shut down. But they're really not paying attention to what's happening at their, their local government level with their counties and their cities and their townships and villages and things like that. I mean, people wake up. It's everywhere. Uh, look at what your city government is doing. Go and sit in on a few meetings of your local city council or your county council or whatever uh, local government government body that you have near you. Take the time to do that. Read through some of the minutes of the meetings that have happened in, in the prior, um, prior discussions and meetings that they've had. They're talking about, th they're making new laws all the time. And most of these are trampling all over your God-given freedoms. And they're violating the Constitution of the United States. But if there's no one there to challenge it, to fight back, to even just educate them, maybe they have the best of intentions. But if you're not going to your local government meetings, you're not watching what they're doing, and you're not uh, speaking out and giving them the truth and talking to them about the law or the Constitution or you know something else that they need to be considering, then they're just going to keep doing it no matter what. Now, don't assume that they're all bad actors. You could start with the assumption maybe they just need a little bit of education uh, and then, you know, continue to be willing to work with them and help them and educate them. You know, I'll, any state legislator, Democrat, Republican, you name it, if you want to give me a call and to have a true discussion on a particular point and get some questions answered, things like that, um, then by all means do that. I mean, I'm all about helping people to navigate those waters and, and figure things out. So at any rate, um, 
And Amy P, you had some good comments on YouTube too. Uh, if you have the opportunity, I'd love to have you call in as well. Um, but anyway, give us a call, 616-303-0093. Um, I just have one final thought, um, if, I'm, if I may, yeah. that I think one thing that people are missing right now in America today is, you know, when we think about our history, how we grew up, we grew up with mass communication. We grew up with television, with radio. It evolved into the Internet and you know, everything that we have today. And we need to think about what did our founding fathers grow up with? They grew up with books. That's all they had. That was their entertainment was books. So they had a broad knowledge of their own history that we've kind of let go of. We've forgotten. And when people start to realize that if we go all the way back to the 11th century and we start moving forward towards 1776, that there's nothing new under the sun. What we're going through today, what we're seeing happen in our government, what we're seeing happen in our country, there is nothing new under the sun. This has been going on since 1014 is where I start in the class I teach. You know? But when we look at the documents, how do these people resolve these issues? 1215, the Magna Carta, one of the greatest documents out there for people to go look at. A lot of our Bill of Rights came straight from the Magna Carta. You know, um, that's because our founders knew their history. And if people could just realize that these are not new issues that we're dealing with. You know, this goes back, but, you know, beyond that to Roman times and the things that the Romans and the Greeks dealt with. It's just the way we communicate it is the main thing that's different today, you know. But these, are, these problems have existed for time and eternity, and there's always been a resolution, but we have to look at what were those resolutions. You know, they were the 1100 Charter of Liberties, the Magna Carta, the English Bill of Rights, documents like that that our founders looked to. Yeah. Yeah, it's important that we, we don't lose sight of that history and that we do educate ourselves. There's some comments going on in the YouTube chat anyway. Um, about that that idea. Um, Lori says, many are doing what they were taught or trained to do because that's how it's been done. But if we lack education and understanding in how government is meant to function, they do too. And that's a good point that, you know, we've grown up just assuming that government is, you know, it's big and it's overwhelming and they can kind of do whatever they want to. And you can't really challenge the government. And it, if you try to, it doesn't really work. And you know, we just, it, it, government's allowed to continue pass laws, whatever, whatever they want to pass as a law, they could pass it and all kinds um, of different things. Uh, and so we need to challenge some of those, you know, the premises there, the basis of, of the thoughts in that regard and, and, and go back to the basics and understand where our rights come from and understand what the constitution says it. And, you know, yeah, it takes, is, is it like the, you know, the most exciting reading on the planet? no. It's, it's not, let's be honest, but um, it is something that everybody needs to know. You need to know what your rights are because you don't, you don't know. Even if you're not an active freedom fighter, you just want to live your life and be in peace and be left alone and whatever. Guess what? They're coming for you. They want to control every aspect of your lives. Look at how many different things in your life that they have licensing for or, you know, any of these other things going on. So, you know, you have uh, mandates and, and shutting down businesses and shutting down schools and all kinds of stuff that happened uh, in the last few years. But the government has been, you know, sticking its tentacles all over every aspect of your lives long before COVID happened. So um, if people would simply go back to because, you know, our roots are from England. 
you know, America is the colonists, our roots are from England. Go back to the beginning, the very, very beginning of what became England, and look at the very, very first king that was propped up, Athelred, and then read the Athelred contract. Why? Because the people at the time when they propped up this king, it had nothing to do with them wanting a king because they were living fine without one. They needed a king to negotiate, though, with the Danish king. And they propped up Athelred, they called him Athelred the Uncertain because he really wasn't too, you know, certain about this job. But they put together a contract with him that basically said, you do not rule the people. You do not tell us what to do. You do not make law. You You don't rule over us. You negotiate with other countries on our behalf. That is your only job. And when we look at all these other documents throughout history, they all led back to the Athelred contract. Um, uh, Mr. Caller, we do have somebody that was asking who who is on the phone, so I did not know how you would want me to identify you on this phone call. Oh, this is the Liberty Cause. So this is the Liberty Cause, as you guys see some of the comments in the chat. Um, and uh, uh, some, some of our friends uh, have, you know, uh, freedom-fighting names like Batman, um, and I, I joke about that because my dad, anyway, uh, if you know who my dad is, uh, his name's actually Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne Reed, uh, and we call him Batman. Um, anyway, um, so anyway, thank you, the Liberty Cause, for joining in. Um, I want to get back to some of the questions that are being asked in the chat and also open it back up if anybody else wants to give us a call as well. Um, we definitely appreciate you uh, joining the discussion today and all the other things that you do uh, to support our work and just to do your own freedom fight. So um, we will be you chatting with you soon. And uh, we'll get you guys down here for dinner soon. Dinner with freedom fighters. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. <laughs> Thank you. All right, guys, so I wanted to touch base on um, a comment we had from Joe on Facebook. Will you have candidate guests on? We have had candidate guests on in the past. Um, if you, uh, I don't know if there's more context or whatnot to that question. Uh, if you look at some of our prior episodes that we have done, we had Ryan Kelly, who was a Republican uh, candidate for governor in the state of Michigan. We had Christina Caramo. She is she was uh, at the time the candidate, the Republican candidate for the Secretary of State in Michigan. Uh, she is currently the Michigan Republican Party chair, uh, the chair of the MIGOP. Um, we've had uh, uh, Joe Moss, who was a candidate for county commissioner and is now, in fact, on the Ottawa County. Board of Commissioners, and he is the chair of the Ottawa County Board of Commissioners. Uh, over the summer, a couple months ago, we had on um, Dean Brandt, who is running for sheriff in Allegan County, Michigan, happens to be the same county where I was illegally and unconstitutionally arrested in 2020, violently arrested, mind you. Uh, and so I have some big interest in what happens in that county, although I never personally lived there, etc. So, yeah, we've had, um, I'm sure there's more, um, oh, we've had uh, a, an ongoing candidate, if you will, um, uh, Michael Bosch. He is a uh, Georgetown Township trustee in Ottawa County, Michigan, a uh, very big area, the seventh largest township in all of the state uh, of Michigan. Uh, anyway, we would be glad to have anybody, any candidate, quite frankly, in any state, 
uh, on. So if you want to get us connected with them, maybe you're a candidate and you're running for office and you want to talk about some constitutional issues or you just want to let people know where you stand, uh, we'd love to, to do that and have that conversation, flush things out. Um, but yes, absolutely, we will... Uh, if you know if there's a big interest in having uh, or excuse me candidates, it should be a constitutional candidate, right? But if there's uh, interest in having candidates for office um, on as we have in the past, and so we can continue this uh, dialogue and perhaps have Collins. I mean, certainly uh, let us know if you support that idea, etc. Uh, big Bad John also had commented a little while ago about he said, I, I sure wish Catherine would get licensed in Tennessee. And uh, here's the thing, though. If you know of attorneys, maybe maybe brand new attorneys, that might be the, the easiest thing. Find some brand new attorneys, some people who are really green in the trade, uh, and they're open to learning it. They still have their thinking caps on. They haven't been set in their ways. Uh, I would be more than happy to sit down with any attorney in any state and try to open their mind up to some conversational uh, aspects, to some some constitutional uh, grounds that they should be really uh, viewing everything that they do through. Uh, being able to walk attorneys through uh, some different strategies to take, uh, whether it's just more of a, a reactionary step, so there's already a court case going on, how do you fight back? Or you know, walking through the general appeals process, uh, how to zealously advocate for clients with the Constitution always in mind, how to take a proactive start and speaking at uh, state legislative uh, hearings or um, local city council meetings or whatever the case may be. Um, I would be more than happy to walk other attorneys all across the country through how to truly have our constitutional republic do what it's supposed to be doing and what our role is uh, as attorneys. Uh, let me see here. Um, yes, and, and Big Bad John, you know, if there are specific, any of you, if there are specific topics that you think that we should cover, by all means, reach out, let us know, send an email to contact at restorefreedomkh.com. That's contact at restorefreedomkh.com. Let us know. Uh, you can also uh, take a look, though, at our website first, RestoreFreedomKH.com. Take a look at that website. Go to the search bar. Type in whatever topic it is that you want to have covered and see if there's already lots of materials or perhaps even videos already on those topics. Uh, but certainly we can do some follow-up on uh, some topics that keep kind of resurfacing here and there. Um, let's see. Uh Okay, so Facebook, um, Joe said, I guess Florida candidates is what I was hoping. And absolutely, I could certainly, we have a caller calling in, so give me a second here. Hello, this is Catherine. Who am I speaking with? Hi, this is Tears for Liberty. How are you? Uh, I'm doing fine, thank you. Thank you for calling in. So what, what strikes your fancy today in the constitutional world of conversation? Everything. I just want to be Elsa. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Elsa, but I just want to live free. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, honestly. Okay, so first, first of all, from a legal standpoint, how do you think they're getting away with filing charges, for instance, that are past the statute of limitations, never mind the fact that there isn't really any actual meat to them? There's no nexus to Trump having committed any actual crime. How is it getting past the sniff test? and in front of a judge and not being dismissed. What's going on? 
So he's actually got a lot of cases going on, so I can't speak to all of them because it's impossible. That'd be my full-time job oh. just to keep up with all the different charges and things he's got going on. But Absolutely. what I could speak to um, in the videos that I, that I did, uh, well, the, the, the episode seven that I just released on Sunday, that one was specifically talking about the four charges that he was indicted um, in um, the DC case as part of this insurrection uh, case, but really in right. any of them, any of these cases that he has, when there's um, charges of any kind being brought against him, or quite frankly, any freedom fighter, you have what happened. It's not a legal thing that's keeping the cases going. It's actually um, judges who are either uh, totally disregarding the Constitution or the law. Uh, or the foundations of government. Um, or, right. you know, they're just afraid to step out and, and fight back because they, they feel like this is, this is the narrative across the whole country. This is, this is the political pressure. This is what they must do. They at least have to go along and, you know, give the, the prosecutors their day in court to prove their case. And, and that's, not, that's not what their job is. So, for example, um, there have been some legal arguments raised by Trump in a variety of his cases, you know, with different counsel that he has. And um, in some of the instances are saying this case needs to be dismissed because it's it's legally insufficient. There is no crime wow. here. And what the judges are doing is saying, well, just as they as they did to uh, the Null brothers in the Whitmer kidnapping plot case um, where they just recently had their trial. Uh, and right. it was a case stemming from 2020. But the judge in that case did the same thing and said, well, yeah, I don't know. I still think it should be up to the jury to decide these things. In fact, in my own case from Allegan County, Michigan, from Election Day 2020, um, I filed numerous motions in front of that trial court judge where we were, you know, I, I was challenging the, the legal ability of the case to even proceed forward because it should never even make it to a jury if it's legally insufficient. For example, it is not a crime to trespass on property open to the general public. That's not a thing exactly. anywhere exactly. in the country. And you know what the judge said and in that case? The judge said, well, no, you don't really have a right to file a motion like this. Basically, your right to due process just means you have a right to a, a jury of your peers. So it's it's judges. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's just it's full. It, there's, the answers are, depending on the case, um, and there's many judges involved in, in Trump's, for example, and all his different cases that are going on. Um, it's a different reason each time, but it's it's everything from incompetence to ignorance to downright corruption, unfortunately. Okay. And, and oh, all right. So it's so OK. So if you look at a judge or even let's not even look at the state attorney's office or the or a prosecutor as a gatekeeper, but the judge as a gatekeeper, what do we do? as the people, right? It, it, because really our only redress in, in any kind of criminal or civil action is really just to, to, to go to court, to file suit, right? Because at some point you exhaust any kind of administrative um, action that you can use to uh, find any kind of relief. So you go to court thinking, okay, this is the place. This is the third party that's actually gonna look at the law, understand the constitution and how those laws apply to the situation and go oh my gosh what yeah no this is wrong and then you win right like it's like simple property cases like you know or code enforcement in florida 
um, actually sir executing a search warrant, drilling the hole out of somebody's somebody's um door, a deadbolt for cats. Like, it, it, Catherine, it's insane. And I, I'm in Volusia County, so. I've got video of that. And it was the scariest thing I've ever seen because law enforcement backs code enforcement up and they're standing in a line with guns, with their hands on their guns. And this was over cats. Cats that the city had actually given this woman to rehab, but she pissed them off. So how do we get around as a people? Because we are, while the government's big, there's still more people than there are governments, right? People. Exactly. So, how do we get around? How, what is our what is our remedy to this this uh, this snowball that seems to be just completely out of control? And I understand the fact that like like you know people are afraid to fight it because nobody wants to be caught up in the system and end up in jail. And is that not tyranny when you cannot speak out against your government in a manner that is reasonable and not get arrested or harassed or some other thing? That's tyranny, and that shuts the people down. So how do we empower larger groups of people to understand that you do have the power? This is about your your rights, your inalienable rights. And I have suffered, and, and this is why it's Tears for Liberty, because the, the code enforcement thing, executing a search warrant, um, and going through this woman's house and then her neighbor's house, they managed to get a search warrant. Of course, that judge is no longer on the bench, but not for that reason, for other reasons. Before I'm signing off on these search before, warrants. But I before mean, I forget, I, I want to let you know, in case you can't see on YouTube, this is a public service is asking you to send that video to him. And actually, I was going to ask you to send it to me, but I don't want to forget because the comment's going to keep scrolling. You know, oh, a lot of people talking. You will. You this woman that that they that they drilled the hole in. They knew her, and she's like ninety pounds. And it it was the skit. I'm I I I kid you not when I tell you it's one of the skit. Don't go to the theaters. Go to your local government, like what you were saying. Go watch your city or county commission, and you will be scared. You will be frightened. It is the month of October. You want to get scared. Go to your local government and watch what right. is going on. But ordinances, it, these ordinances with the Fourth Amendment, they're trying to they're trying to pass an ordinance right now that you can't have your animal outside if it's 85 degrees or more. And now they want to come in the house and check and see if your dog has food and water. Are you kidding me? I'm just, I cringe. I don't even cringe. I want to crawl up. I want to under a rock. Like, honestly, like I don't. Who are these people? Because it always goes back to this. What's government made of? People. people. Exactly. What happens to them, Catherine? What happens to even, never mind the, the staff, the quote unquote staff. Like, you know, they're usually long term. They've been in there a long time. They've, you know, done whatever they wanted to do. But these elected people. Who, who run on these wonderful uh, policy changes, get in there and there's this weird kind of molecular change that happens in their brain that all of a sudden they want to be the boss of everybody to the point where they are not just stepping on your Fourth Amendment rights. They, they pretend like they don't exist. Well, they think that, um, and, and I can speak to um, code enforcement here in Volusia County because that's where I'm at. And, I, and my case <laughs> okay. is still going oh. on. Uh, in fact, oh my God. for those of you who uh, heard all about it for the last 
year that we've been dealing with this. My case is still, my my appeal is still pending. I haven't heard back from the city or uh, from the court on my latest um, motion to file, um, it, to get oral argument. I'm sorry, is your appeal in circuit court or the fifth? Uh, it is in circuit court because it was an appeal from okay. the special magistrate. The, gotcha. Yep. So okay. um, I I hope that it's going to be a good outcome and I don't have to appeal it higher than that. But if I do have to go to the court of appeals here in Florida, then I certainly am not afraid to do that. Um, I can tell you in my experience that unfortunately, that's probably what you're going to have to do because you've got this local, it's like incestuous, right? You've got the local law enforcement tied into the state attorney's office, right? So they're, they don't want to ever, don't ever go to the Fox to, to tell on the other Fox. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you can't go to law enforcement and complain about somebody in an area that law enforcement, they know everyone knows everyone. It's incestuous, including the judges. And, and, and that's, a really sad thing. So I think you, you still should though, before you go on in that point, huh? I think you should. I, I think if you try to use their own tactics against them, at the very least, it's, it's laying a foundation for an equal protection violation claim. Uh, it's letting people know, and it's, it's it becomes more of a story that you can then bring to media where the, the mainstream media might actually start picking some of this stuff up. For example, in my case, um, you know, the city claimed there were three things. They, they don't like my pavers. They don't like my, pri my privacy fence. And they don't like the two shipping containers I have in my backyard. And oh my they, God. they say that I can't have them. And, you know, and they say that things like, you know, pot, they actually brought up pods in my, in my hearing with the special magistrate. They, they likened them to my two shipping containers to a pods container and saying that, well, the city ordinance only allows you to have it for 30 days and only if you're moving. So what did I do? Um, I made sure to take pictures of the several different areas in the city, uh, in fact, just in Beachside, where there's um, either pods containers or shipping containers, including the city's own property, where uh, not even a mile from my house, there's a city parking lot where there had been a pods container parked since February of 2021, and the city wasn't moving, uh, and it was certainly longer than 30 days that it was there. Uh, and don't you know that when I put that actually with the pictures and even we have video, thanks to this is a public service, he actually went down and got video of the code enforcement manager in Ormond Beach uh, telling him that, oh, yeah, no, that that one was taken. Um, that storage container, that pods container was was, you know, removed. And I went and did video the next day showing, no, nope, it was still there. But let me say, the reason why he followed up, this is a public service, the reason why this is a public service followed up with the city of Ormond Beach about it is because I officially, the week that I filed my appeal of the special magistrate outcome uh, of the ordinance case, I also filed four specific uh, ordinance violation complaints with the city in their online system. So it can't just, you know, be a person that says, no, I'm not going to take it. It's there. I have a record of sending it in. And what did I file complaints of? I filed complaints specifically, three of them relating to the city attorney's own office that violates the city code, the very parts of the city code they claim that I am violating, and that one city park that's just up the road from my house. So I made sure to play their game and file those complaints, and that's what 
when we got the video of the um, code uh, enforcement manager saying, oh, no, yeah, I'm just, you're following up on that. Yep, nope, that, that, that storage thing was taken off. That pod's container is gone. And then you have my video of the next day of it still being there. And I put that, I put a link to that video right in my brief. And I had a picture and I had, you know, all kinds of stuff saying, you know what? This, this is not okay. This is an equal protection violation. If the government itself is doing what it claims that I am not allowed to do, uh, clearly this do. is exactly. So yeah, do, did I think it was going to necessarily go somewhere? Are they going to cite, give themselves a citation and bring themselves to court? Right. No, no, but it's all about laying the foundation and getting the paperwork, covering your butt, having all your bases covered. And so I would strongly encourage people to do that. Even if but you know, an overwhelming task. It is. I mean, just maneuvering. Never mind maneuvering through the city. What you had to do, then you had to maneuver through these special appellate procedures in circuit court, and potentially the the now the fifth DCA or the the district courts here their appellate procedures. So and it's expensive and it's time consuming and 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 I understand you're a lawyer. Now you've got somebody who's not a lawyer who wants to do that. And you think you can because, you know, they, it's the city. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult. Well, it is. They make it impossible. But how, why not challenge the ordinance itself based on, based on the Constitution, based on your right of privacy, your right of secure in your, in your property, and that you can have what you, what you deem okay on your property if it's not hurting anybody else what do they care and you're going to love you my brief I... because i use some of those very words in there over and over again i'm the kind of person though i don't just focus on one aspect i go you're violating my rights uh against unreasonable searches and seizures under the fourth amendment to the constitution you're violating my right to due process under the fifth and 14th amendments of the u.s constitution you're violating my right to privacy that has been read into the constitution under the 14th amendment but properly belongs under the ninth amendment of our unalienable rights uh uh in the constitution right. you're violating well, actually florida that's even stronger your right your property rights you're right. It or not. You're right, because the florida state constitution which i also cited in there specifically says that we have a right to privacy uh, and you have the right to protect your property. You have the right to acquire. I forget all the wording of it, but I, I right. quoted that thing, you know, backwards and frontwards and sideways. Uh, oh, yeah. All over okay. in there. But, Absolutely. you know, but you see, now you're in a public court. So where is it? Where is it that it's they're failing on the street, just like with the cops, right? Like, like it's the, it's the boots on the ground, it seems like. Like, code enforcement is the one that cited you, right? Yes. Then you go to the city. Was it administrative? Did you ever go in front of the, they have a council or a commission in the city? It was, it was a special magistrate who is a retired circuit special. court judge. Okay. And that guy didn't, and he's retired because my fear is right now what's going on is, is that we have a lot of these judges who are aging out, who actually were old school and they kind of followed the law until they got a little older and got tired, but they've aged out. And now we've got these younger attorneys because, you know, on, in Florida, they dropped the 10 year requirement of experience to five years for a circuit court judge. And they're sitting on these benches with these, with these constitutional uh, based uh, complaints. And, and the reason why they're on the bench is because let's face it, they're not making it in the private world. Right. So they go in to be a judge and now they're creating this horrible law or, or 
perception of law, right? By, um, and then forcing people to appeal it. So where is our stopgap? Where is our ability to, where are the gatekeepers? If the gatekeepers are incestuous, right? And they're always going to protect each other. Yep. Where, what do we do? Where do we go? How, you know, how high up? And that's exactly, you know I mean? we need to fight it at all levels and in all ways. So there's, for example, in the state of Florida, there's several statutes that um, I put together. By the way, I also, when I filed my complaints against the city for their code violations, I also filed online with the city's online reporting process, the um, criminal complaints against the magistrate, the city attorney, uh, the uh, Chris Mason, who is the manager of the Neighborhood Improvement Division, and the code enforcement officer herself. So I actually filed criminal complaints. Of course, they never even followed up with me at all, and I'll move on that way. But not only did I file it there, I also filed it with the Florida. Oh shoot, I can't remember what they're called. But with the um, attorney or the invest attorney. The general uh, inspector, I think it is. I think so. I don't remember which. And then I still plan on filing it with the DOJ as well, with the United States Department of Justice filing a complaint yeah. against all of them as well. Whether it goes anywhere or not, these are avenues that we have to start pursuing. And eventually, you know, it's going to be a... They can't... Everybody in government can't ignore these all at the same time. And if they do, again... That's going to be, you know, ooh, that that's going to be more catchy for mainstream media to start going. What is going on here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, what are your thoughts on the Sitwood issue about the mainstream media? Okay, so you've got the News Journal who gets a new editor because the prior editor had his head up Sitwood's butt, if you will. So it was always oh, so glorious reports. Now all of a sudden they're actually reporting about Sheriff Sitwood in a more of an objective way, and he doesn't like it. So he cuts them out from press conferences. Our news journal is cut out from press conferences because he doesn't like the fact that they're not kissing his butt. So what do you do about that when you're, when you're basically, you know, really the most powerful, <laughs> the most powerful individual who is elected is picking and choosing. And he basically told the news journal, hey, you know what, if you have a problem and you need law enforcement, you can call us. But we're going to call the FBI to come in and help you because we're not going to help you. What do you like? What do you do with that? Yeah. What kind of crazy? What do you do with that? And this uh, is your pro like this is going to be your problem. Like like in for instance, now you're on their radar, and I can tell you from experience that, and I'm sure you've already experienced it. The harassment that goes on, the drive-bys, and I don't know if it's oh, yeah. as far as law enforcement. Oh yeah. But does yeah, yeah. Foreman has PD, right? Well, let me put it this way. In my neighborhood alone, I, okay, so let's set the stage for those of you who um, knew I have a case, who talked about a little bit in this phone call, and I've talked about that I raised some issues like equal protection, for example. For that alone, for that thing alone, what I decided to do was not look at every single code violation because I don't have the entirety of Ormond Beach's city codes memorized, but what I did is the ones they're coming after me for, pavers or parking, Fen privacy fences and um, buildings or shipping containers or sheds and, and their setbacks and the things that they were claiming they had an issue with mine, I went around and I just went, now I live on, a, on an island, for those of you who don't know Volusia County very well or Ormond Beach area, I live on an island. So we have a quarter mile in um, either direction of our house. One, one way is the river, the other way is the ocean. I have a quarter mile to the north of me and a quarter mile to the south of me where there's a road 
that clearly kind of cuts that off. So it's basically a square all around me where I'm in the middle and I literally just walked. I just walked around and I looked at what you could see with your own eyes of any of those three kinds of topics or three, you know, sets of regulations. And I, I was able to record 810, 810 Shut violations. Shut up. <laughs> yeah. So, and I took pictures. I, some of them you can blatantly see on, on Google maps. So I didn't even need to waste the time trying to get good lighting or good pictures or whatever. The way, they're also using Google maps to, uh, attempt to violate people for these code infractions oh, in their yeah, backyard. That's, and that's a whole, yep, that's a whole nother. But what I did with this yeah. is I, I made it a point to show out, not only are they not going after the 810 other people that live all around me in this teeny tiny little area, which by the way, ends up being, um, since it's like 0.7% of the population or something like that, it ends up right. e equating to about 115,000 similar violations that are ongoing in the city of Ormond Beach at the exact same time, which is a city of about 50,000 people. 115 violations okay. of these very kinds going on in my city right now. But who are they going after? They're only going after me. So what I did is in this quarter mile radius, I also pointed out to the the judge um, who was the special magistrate and then also definitely pointed this out on appeal that of these people that are getting away with these, you know, and I don't think any of these people should have the government okay. coming after them for these things. I'm just saying well, if you're going to do it, you have to do it equally. Kind of right, right. Yeah. Like if you're going to do it, do it to everybody. But how about you don't do it to anybody? Exactly. Or just don't do it to me if you're not doing it to everybody else. But again, exactly. You, so I, so I pointed out. Right. Exactly. So I pointed out to these people it to the courts. Hey, listen, these people include Ormond Beach city workers that have their Ormond Beach work <laughs> vans parked there. It includes Ormond Beach police department people. It includes uh, Volusia County sheriffs. It includes uh, Florida State Highway Patrol. Uh, it includes property that it's actually owned by Ormond Beach Police Department still. And they're all violating the, the, the very it. codes that they're coming after me for. So it's... Well, I guess you have your why they haven't gone after them, right? Because mm -hmm. they're part of this incestuous thing going on. But it, it's just something you got to have the guts to stand up and call call them out on their BS. And yeah, it takes a lot of courage. And yes, you do get a target on your back. And I smirked yeah. when you said something about, you know, um, that they, they're aware of me or I'm on their radar. I'm on the radar of any government anywhere I go from a small town of 5,000 people. That was my first lawsuit I ever filed against a city government all the way up to the state. I mean, shoot, the governor of the state of Michigan cringes when she hears a t constitutional attorney, Catherine Henry. I mean, it makes her want to oh, twitch good. and vomit. I like so, that. yeah. You know you what know. that means? You're doing something right. Exactly. You're doing something right. Exactly. And it's scary because doing the right thing actually gets you kind of in trouble, right? But you're doing yep. the right thing. That's why you're in trouble. Oh, my gosh. Well, that's fantastic to hear. And, and I also, uh, you had said something about the ordinances. Um, it, this is what I tell people about ordinances. I could go through any ordinance book in any city or county right now, and probably about half of them, maybe, maybe less, are probably unconstitutional. On I'd their say face, 75%. Not Huh? 75%. I would say at least 75% of them are unconstitutional okay. because they I, think I will absolutely go with that. They and each think the that it's for the public health, safety, and welfare. That's what they write them as. That's it's, bullshit. Yep. Sorry. And it's not a thing. It's not a thing. It's, 
The government has no right, no authority to go in and regulate the public health, safety, and welfare. They could try to encourage and offer, offer protections, but they can't mandate things or force services or any kind of other things. And actually, before you go on, I wanted to grab something um, that ties what you just said in with a comment that's been waiting on Facebook for a while. Joe on Facebook says, the typical government response is neighboring properties lose value due to blights, as, you know, talking oh. about code enforcement. Oh. Now, the funny oh. thing is, that's not, you, you can't, yeah, you can't take somebody's property uh, just because you consider it a blight. But um, the, the interesting thing is here in the state of Florida, the state legislature actually did us a solid on this because they put in multiple different statutes in various portions across all state uh, Florida state laws that the, the, the issue of having blight or nuisance is not enough to give proper cause for a taking by a municipal government entity. So they literally said to state and local government bodies all across the state of Florida you cannot take someone's property simply because it is determined to be blight or nuisance. So wow. because there are right now, the, like an 80 year old lady, because of her grass, she couldn't mow it. They have a lien on her house that they're trying to foreclose in Miami. And it's a horrible story. And, and as a taxpayer, I would say, hey, code enforcement, why don't you get your asses out there and mow her grass for her? How about that? How about working for the public? You know what I mean? I'm not suggesting that, you know, well-bodied people don't mow their own grass. But if your your arbitrary 12 inches is too long for some reason, but 11 inches, <laughs> inches isn't, mow it for her if she can't do it. Don't lean her house and try to take it and make her homeless. What yeah. is that? Yeah. That's, that's crazy, right? And, exactly. And, and by the way, do they, have they actually fi- filed liens on you? Have they have they filed liens? They they're yeah. um, the judge issued a stay in the case during so stay pending appeal. Okay. So they were going to come out okay. on on April tenth, and literally their orders supposedly by the special magistrate allowed them to rip up all of our pavers, take our shipping what, containers, what? rip up Wait, our what? privacy. Oh yeah, these special magistrate orders enter that were issued. Your property? Yes. Are the, you saying enter your property and do that? Yeah, so I am saying that the special magistrate who used to be a circuit court judge here in Volusia County, Florida, issued orders that supposedly give the city the right to come onto our property, to rip up our pavers, to tear out our privacy fence, to take our shipping containers, and to damage anything in their way of getting to those things, and to be relieved of any kind of um, damages that they cause to us, and in fact to turn around and be able to charge us for removing our property in that way, and then when we don't pay those charges, to create liens against our property for doing those things to us. So yes, they think they have a right to do that. I got to say, I am floored by that order. First of all, he, I don't believe he has the power. Second, secondly, that magistrate is not a third party. He works for the city. Yep. Okay. His paychecks come from the city. He is not um, in a position that he wouldn't. Why, why would he want to lose his job? If, if he, if he, if he followed the law, you would be okay. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, but he doesn't want to lose that paycheck because it's cushy. What, once a month he comes in there? Yes. And then, yeah, right? And to answer you, they don't. Actually, I don't. They don't have the authority. He doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the authority to to sign. That's basically, that's a search warrant and a taking. 
and it's not even law enforcement that he's giving it to. Correct. Hell. And they were going to have they were going to have independent contractors come out and physically oh. take stuff out. Exactly. So we oh. had freedom fighters oh. show up that day while we were waiting anxiously to get word from the judge that a stay had been issued. And then get this, the neighborhood improvement division manager or anyone in that department refused to physically accept a copy of the judge's order of stay so that we knew that they in fact got it. They refused to accept it and made (laughs) the police chief come out and talk to, this is a public service and uh, James Madison audits, they, he had to talk with them about it because the Neighborhood Improvement Division uh, manager and employees refused to come and take a copy of the order. So I just so we're covering our bases. And so I knew that they were on camera accepting it so that they couldn't then come out and say, oh, well, we're going to tear this up. We have a right to do this. And, and oh, we never saw a copy of an order that said we can't, et cetera. So and again, where is the crime that you and or and or the injury that you alleged that you committed for them, for a government, any government entity, I don't care who they are to come out and rip up your stuff. It's like you're a prisoner in your home. Exactly. You have to to stand guard at your house to make sure nobody comes on your property and takes your stuff. Yes. Oh yes. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. That is so stressful. I, I I can somewhat imagine because I've, been in uh, a similar situation in that, you know, you speak out and then you get code enforcement. And I also was a law enforcement thing that, you know, they're trying to pull my garbage. I'm like, that ain't going to happen. I'm sorry, but you're not going to plant stuff in my garbage to try to get something on me. That's the other thing, by the way, people beware. When you put your garbage out on the curb, they get two and they claim that there's something illegal in there. They can absolutely get a search warrant. So I just want to put that out there. Watch your garbage. If, if you're on this, if you're on a city or county radar, so Catherine, watch your, not that you have anything in it, but they can put something in it. They were having code enforcement pull garbages and give them to law enforcement. What kind of chain of custody is that? Exactly. Exactly. It's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. And to hear this, what's happening to you is, um, I, I, I'm, I'm rarely speechless, but I am somewhat speechless about this idea that this magistrate thought, what does he still think he's a circuit court judge and that code enforcement is law enforcement and that you had, I don't know, but let's say you were, I don't know, honestly growing poppies, who freaking cares? (laughs) You know what I mean? Like who cares? Yep. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I hope that there's a, a quicker resolution to that, but chances are there won't be. And has anybody reached out for a settlement? Because that's the other thing that people don't realize is that, you know, they've got insurance companies that if you do file some sort of wrongful uh, or some sort of tort action against them, that that you have to deal with their insurance company first. And there's this 180 day crap and they just give the, the government gives themselves the ability to to do what they want and then get out of it. And I don't know what we do to change that. I actually think it's it's better than that we just have to utilize the statutes that are on the book so for example in florida um, there are statutes that allow you to bring a cause of action against your municipality for example if they're going to try to um take a, you know an exaction of your property so for me and that's uh florida statute 70.45 um uh-huh. it, no it's 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 not through that process it's its own thing it was recently created i want to say six or seven years ago 
and uh, okay. there's not a whole lot of precedent on it yet. Um, and so I brought that forth to the magistrate because I, I actually served them with a notice. They served me with these, you know, intentions to bring me to court for these violations in October of last year. And by um, election day, uh, which I believe was November 8th of last year, I served them with a notice of proposed litigation, which Florida Statute 70.45 requires you to do, and let them know, hey, you don't have a right to do this, this, and this. All your actions have been illegal. If you continue going down this road, then I will, you know, bring this lawsuit against you. And by law, 70.45 required the city to file a written response or to serve me with a written response of either the fact that they were going to back off from what they were doing or to tell me they weren't going to back off, but then explain why they felt like they had the legal right to do so. They never did that. They never filed a response. And there we all of a sudden were in court and I brought it up and the magistrate just said, Oh, well, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't apply here. He didn't say how it didn't apply when this right. is exactly the kind of case where it applies. And then the city attorney need- said, well, you had to, you, you know, this isn't the right place to do that. If you want to do something, then you were required to go and file in circuit court. Funny thing is the statute stops me from filing anything. I can't remember. I think it's 90 days. It's- um, but I was not allowed to file anything in cir- circuit court during that 90 days that they have to respond. Right. I hate that word. Not a, those words. Not allowed. Like, honestly. But, uh, but, but it's still a good statute. Like you, this one's yeah, a good you statute. Have to, you, you, have to, you have to exhaust your administrative. And they, they had 90 days to respond instead of like a 20 or a 30 day to your, le- to your intent. Um. Sorry, what was that again? I'm sorry. They had 90 days. They had 90 days. Yep. They had 90 days to file the response. And during that 90 days, I was not allowed to bring an action in court. And so when did they, they start the proceedings against me to bring me into their little kangaroo court within the 90 days? So I literally legally had no opportunity to file that and get the protections under the statute. And by the way, the statute is a preventative in nature statute. Uh, So it does allow for damages, but it also allows for injunctive relief, which means to those of you who are not attorneys, that means that I'm asking the court to stop the city from doing Uh, something that they're about to do. And the magistrate ignored that. So um, anyway, yeah, then this is a public service was there that day. He was helping to get some video and he said, um, meritless is exactly what the special magistrate said. It is. It's what he said in the orders as well. He said that the argument on constitutionality, on equal protection, on Florida Statute 70.45, it was just meritless. And he left it at that, period. Did not give an explanation. No, no, no legal reasoning, no Correct. factual application, nothing. Just Correct. Yep, it's meritless. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That's fantastic. So again, how are you supposed to even review that on appeal? It's a, exactly. I well, guess, well, I guess the essential, well, he departed. I mean, did you ask for something in writing that his legal basis on that? Um, I no. I filed the appeal. I mean, I, I filed my motion right with him away. first because court rules you were done. Well, <laughs> the court rules require me to file a motion for uh, relief from stay or, or, or a motion for stay pending appeal and a motion for relief from the order, I have to file those in front of the original trial court, or in this case, the special magistrate first. And then he actually totally ignored them, 
Nobody even oh. wrote me back that they received them despite my explicit uh, request for them to do so because there is no court filing system at the special magistrate level. Back. So I asked for yeah. them to confirm that they received it. I even got his personal email address off the state bar registry and sent it to him individually. And I have a tracking program that showed that every single one of the people at the city that I emailed it to opened it uh, all uh. that same day. And none of them acknowledged it, though. Uh, and so I waited, I don't know, it was like 10 days or something like that. And then I filed my appeal right to the circuit court saying, hey, listen, I did file a request for stay. The judge is refusing to answer it at that level. But that does not mean that we have to sit around and wait. Now, what did the city do? The city actually wanted oral argument time because they came to court saying, well, no, she doesn't have the right to even ask this court for a stay pending appeal because only the special magistrate can issue that order. And he hasn't decided to do that. Um, so he's allowed but, but to just do becomes, nothing. So but when it becomes futile, though, you that you should, I mean, there should be the ability to go to the higher court and ask for it because, I mean, isn't that the problem? Is that the magistrate is, A, not doing her job, but also she's refusing to issue a stay. So but you have you have no other recourse but to go to the higher court and and ask them to either make her do the stay or have them do the stay, right? Yep. And so, so that, that's what that I did. argument makes no sense. Yep. And so how did the circuit court respond? Please tell me they responded. <laughs> so, yeah, well, because we did get oral argument time on it. And uh, in fact, they were saying if she did issue the stay, that I was supposed to post a $14,000 bond that would grow exponentially okay. while the case continued to go on. And at least on that point, she looked at them and said, I've never heard of such a thing with all the appeals on these kinds of things that I do. I have never seen a municipality ask for someone to have to post a bond just to appeal what the city has done in their ordinance case. So uh, she did not make us post a bond. She did issue the stay and uh, she ordered them to file a response to my emergency motion. And the response was not a response. They did not admit nor deny the allegations of my paragraphs. They didn't follow any of the rules. Uh, they didn't have a brief. It, 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 it's, I can't even. Yeah. No, I know. I've read those things like that from the, from the government. It's, it's mind boggling. Yep. So uh, yeah. to anybody who is hearing the conversation now, and maybe you're, you're new to the channel, you're new to the situation that we're talking about here today, but you want to see, maybe you don't, you, you wanted to see it for yourself. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a transparent person. So everything is on my website. Go to restorefreedomkh.com uh, slash OB case. C-A-S-E, O-B case. And you'll see all the documents from the Ormond Beach case. You'll see the documents that I have filed, the documents that they have filed. Uh, the most recent stuff is all on there. We're still waiting. So um, we don't have um, anything. The last thing that was filed was uh, the end of July. I think July 27th was when I filed my last documents. But my last document, uh, two of them, I filed a motion to uh, get oral argument in the overall appeal, which it should be rubber stamped basically because the court rules say you basically right. have a right to do it. You just have to ask. And uh, right. I had zero response from the city on that. And the judge's office has done nothing to deny or uh, approve of my request. But I also served them that day with my reply brief. For those of you who know nothing about legal stuff, uh, in an appeal, you have your appellate brief 
then you have the answer brief and then you so that's that's the opposing side they file their answer brief uh and then the original party such as me uh, I then have the right to file a reply brief, which in most jurisdictions means it's much, much shorter. I want to say it's a maximum of seven pages in Michigan. In Florida, I want to say it's like 4,000 words or something. Uh, oh, that's right. It's yeah. yeah, so it's a, it's a much shorter, um, you know, document that you put together. But um, anyway, it's... Um, so I, I put together this 4,000 uh, word or paragraph or whatever, not paragraph, but 4,000 word um, answer where I just lit into them because they, uh, they plagiarized throughout the whole thing. They plagiarized <laughs> from cases and would copy pages uh, right out of a court case without citing to it appropriately. And then they would change one word here or there, or they would add in a word about, you know, ordinances like such as this one, even though the case had nothing to do with the situation uh, that we had here. And so then they're lying to this court saying, well, that court over there said that you could, you know, this is the rule of the, of the land here, which it was not. And uh, the vast majority of the stuff that they cited was not even binding precedent. What, what does that mean if you're a non-attorney? It means they cited things that were either not cases or they were uh, unpublished cases or they were cases from other jurisdictions that have nothing to do. There's no binding precedent here, uh, for example, in the state of Florida from a Texas Supreme Court case. Uh, they cited all kinds of things that were um, either you know overruled or overturned uh, or, you know, any any other defects going on in that. Or they cited dissents even, dissenting opinions instead of the actual court case. So one of the things they cited, uh, super special, was so old, and it was a circuit court appeal file, uh, so not binding precedent anywhere, but it was so old right. that by court rule, the court file had been destroyed like five years ago so you can't even go and find it and they cited to westlaw which they can't do because they'd have to submit the case i don't have westlaw access and the case doesn't even exist anymore in the actual court system it was destroyed five years ago because it was so old and it's not binding precedent so anyway um if you're looking for entertainment as well as to get the the whole picture maybe you don't believe everything i'm saying it can't be that crazy and, and incredible it is take a look at uh, restorefreedomkh.com slash ob case uh and and search those documents look at the one i filed most re recently it's the shortest brief i have on there and you'll be able to see the craziness of it all uh how they were lying how they were plagiarizing uh how they did all kinds of stupid crazy stuff and of course i summarized that in my motion for oral argument and asking the court hey this is why it's so important this is the some of the stuff they're doing and that's only a two-page document that motion so trust me guys you have the time to read that it'll take you all of 60 seconds uh to read that two-page motion but anyway um any any well, last thoughts that you had that we didn't get to cover today I admire your tenacity. I know it's exhausting. If you need help, we're here for you. Just, oh my gosh, that's all I can say is read, read your opposing cases that they cite because typically if it comes from the government, it probably has nothing to do. It's not applicable like what you were saying. Be, yep. be very, um, uh, you know, whatever, uh, t tenacious also in your research. And God bless you. <laughs>
I say, God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. You're doing a great job. Well, thank you. And thank I look you. look forward to meeting you at some point. I hear that you're in Volusia you County, well. so I'll look forward to meeting you soon. You as well. And maybe <laughs> together we can take these people down. Yeah. Get them out and read <laughs> and, and be for the people. Exactly. <laughs> All exactly. right. Take care. Bye-bye. You, you too. Bye. Uh, that was a great call, guys. Um, I encourage many of you to call in as well. Um, I have never met her before, but she sounds like a great freedom fighter. And um, I wanted to touch base, though, on uh, a comment from Facebook, which was by Sharon. I always heard that all ordinances are not laws and only apply to employers and employees of said businesses and government. Um and so, uh, Sharon, if you're still watching, because that comment was a little while ago now, uh, I do want to talk about that for just a brief second. Uh, I've done videos about what what is a law, and I've done several of those actually. And ordinances are laws. They it's it's what your local government does. So you have at the uh, federal level, you have Congress, uh, and that's an Article One of the U.S. Constitution. Uh, at the state government level, you have your state legislature. At your local government level, you have a county commission or county council, as it's called here in Volusia County anyway. Uh, and then you also will have your, your municipal, your, your city or your village or whatever um, township, uh, if you're in Michigan, for example, government uh, board. And so um, anyway, that local government level, your county, your city, they when they pass laws, those are called ordinances. Um, they're not called statutes. They're called ordinances, but those are laws. And they have to go through the same procedures, uh, the same general procedures that your state legislature has to go through when they enact laws. They are laws, though. Now, does that mean that they're all constitutional and all enforceable? Oh, no, no, no. Most of them are unconstitutional, but they are laws. What is not a law is a resolution passed by your local government or by the state government or by the federal government. A resolution is not a law. And regulations that are just administrative regulations, although we have Administrative Procedures Act at the federal level and at state levels, uh, that's not a thing. In a Republican form of government, in a constitutional republic, administrative rules and regulations are not laws. Now, we have to act like they're laws right now because if you just ignore them and claim they don't exist and fight them tooth and nail to be abolished, then you'll see consequences of that. But are they actually legit? Should we have to follow them? No, um, they are not laws. But ordinances are laws. So just keep that in mind. Resolutions are not, but ordinances are. But ordinances have to follow the restrictions and parameters that the state laws and state constitutions have. Uh, ordinances have to follow your local um, constitutions, which are typically called a, a, your city charter, for example, or your county charter. That is your, uh, your local constitution of the people. And then your state constitution and the U.S. Constitution, local ordinances have to follow and abide by the restrictions placed by the federal government in their laws and their constitution. So, you know, the farther down the food chain you get, the more restrictions there are on these laws and on these governmental procedures, um, not on the people, but on the government's ability to enact different things. Uh, lots more. Uh, let's see. Um, Okay, 
There was something else in here. Oh, somebody, I want to say it might have been Joe on Facebook, said uh, it looks like he was telling me to run for sheriff. Uh, I've told people this many times before, or at least several times in different contexts, including on these live videos. If anybody thinks that I should run for something, let me tell you, I will go wherever God calls me, but I'm not running a campaign anymore. I have run campaigns. I've worked on campaigns, uh, national campaigns, statewide campaigns, local campaigns. I I was the the genesis and the lead attorney and lead organizer for the Restore Freedom Initiative, which was a statewide constitutional amendment for the state of Michigan in 2020. And we had thousands of volunteers in all 83 counties all across the state of Michigan. And it was exhausting work. And we had hundreds of thousands of pieces of paper that I kept organized at our house. Uh, and it was quite a bit. So anyway, um, to that point, um, I'm willing to run as a candidate, but somebody else has to be the campaign manager and put things together and do do the logistics. I'll do I'll do the you know the speaking in public. I'll do the you know I'll be the candidate. I'll run for office. I'll you know answer questions uh, for the people. I'll do all that, but I'm not doing the the logistics and and the marketing. That's uh, it's hard enough doing it th for this. Uh, just to help get the word out there about the constitutional education and advocacy pieces that we offer to people. But, um, okay, so uh, Rumble Chat, Julianne too was commenting, how about Norton v. Shelby County, which is an 1886 case? And I have that over here. In fact, give me a second, guys. Let me see. I have it. I have some stuff highlighted. I, off the top of my head, I'm going to be honest, until I see the first highlighted mark, I'm not going to remember exactly what's going on in that case. It is a case that I have cited, though, in um, appellate, um, in, in appellate cases of my own and um, cases that I have filed as amicus uh, against the governor of the state of Michigan, for example. Um, Shoot, this is not my, I found the case. I have uh, Norton v. Shelby County. Uh, it was filed on May 10th, 1886, and this is a U.S. Supreme Court case. Uh, I do have it here. It's not the copy that I have my highlighted remarks on, so I'm not able to, um, in any kind of educated fashion, share any thoughts about that. But um, anyway, um Okay, so um, with that being said, I don't know what specifically the question was. If you have follow-up to that question, Julianne, uh, who's watching us live on Rumble, uh, with whatever the question was about Norton v. Shelby County, I'd be happy to answer the question, but without my notes, I can't um, immediately just kind of spout off, you know, whatever kinds of things uh, would have um, that we could talk about from that case. Um, what I do want to do, though, is caution you guys, again, and this is going to be one of my short videos that I'm going to be releasing this week, too, uh, is caution you guys about relying on cases. Don't rely on them. Use them. It's like using their own tools against them. You could, you could cite to cases all you want. I cite to them all the time. In fact, in some of my appeals cases, uh, in my appeals that I filed in my own Allegan County case uh, throughout 2020 and 2021 and 2022 in the state of Michigan, 
Um, I, in some of the briefs, I had 200 plus case citations. I mean, I'm all about, if there's a case that shows, if there's a prior court decision that shows how this court's being a dumbass and how they need to do something differently, I'm all about using that prior language, especially if it's a U.S. Supreme Court or a state Supreme Court from that state saying, look, here is how you're supposed to rule on this case, clear and simple. I will use that all day long, but I'm not going to rely on it because what is the supreme law of the land? It is the Constitution itself. If you're in a state, for example, I'm in the state of Florida right now, it is the U.S. Constitution and then the state Constitution. We cannot... We can't de-emphasize those constitutions. We need to emphasize them over and over again. Those are, are the supreme law of the land. You, and talk about statutes, because those are law. Cases are not law. Case law, common law, it's the same thing. Case law and common law. And judges are not allowed to make law. But what is case law? What is common law? It is judge-made law. In fact, it's not just judge-made law. If it were that simple or just that bad, it'd be one thing. But no, this is a whole nother level. In fact, our two callers ago reminded us about our English uh, heritage, our roots, right? And you have cases that are from thousands of years of English courts happening, right? That's where the common law came from. So when we developed our colonies over here in the United States, and even as we developed into our own official country, uh, our United States Constitution refers to common law in just one little aspect of our uh, of the Constitution, talking about preserving the right to a trial by jury in civil cases of more than whatever the dollar amount was. I don't even remember now. But in any case, it was referencing that there is common law. And unfortunately, you have states like the state of Michigan. Um, I want to say it's Article... I don't know, uh, maybe Article 4, um, Article 3 or Article 4 of the state constitution. Anyway, it talks about the common law and recognizes the common law that was already in existence and that it will continue to be in existence unless it is specifically uh, contradicted by state, uh, state statutes or state constitutional provisions. Uh, a Florida state law, I think it's 2.01 in Florida statutes, specifically recognizes the common law of England. So here's the deal, common law, cases. Let's not rely heavily on common law or cases or case law or case precedent or whatever you're calling it these days because it starts with what happened in England and those court cases where they had no written constitutional republic and then it carried over and then you have American common law that added on top of it. And so that you have this, uh, this, these concepts of what happens and you know, what way a case is supposed to go in any kind of situation. And and having uniformity is all great, and it helps with knowing how a case would turn out. But guess what this is? The, the actual definition of common law is unwritten, judge-made law from England and added on to by the American courts once the colonies were formed. Who wants unwritten law? Who wants judge-made law? Article 3 of our U.S. Constitution makes it clear judges don't make laws. They have judicial functions. It is the legislature in Article 1 that gets to make laws. Here in the state of Florida or up in the state of Michigan, you have your different articles. Uh, Michigan, it's four, uh, 4, 5, and 6. In uh, Florida, I don't remember, I want to say it's 3, 4, and 5, or 5, 6, and 7, something like that, where it breaks down the executive, legislative, and judicial branches. Uh, they have their different powers for a reason. Nowhere ever is a judge supposed to make law. Nowhere. 
And we're not supposed to look at it as though it's law. We talk about binding precedent and all that kind of stuff. Yes, I'm going to use their tools against them, but I'm not going to rely on it. So I don't like us to focus too much on what courts have said because the United States Constitution is the supreme law of the land. Um, all right, anyway, sorry. Uh, wherever I was going with that, I went on that tangent. Um, I'm just trying to scroll the chat here. Um, <laughs> this is a public service says that the special magistrate in our hearing, uh, that was, I believe, February 28th of this year, it was February anyway, that he was like a puppy on a leash. Um, and, oh, let's see. Uh, and the woman that was on the phone call most recently, that was Tears for Liberty. For those of you who were asking, if you did not see that, um, oh, I just scrolled past one. Sorry, it is very hard for me to, this is not, dang it. Dang it. Okay, there were some questions, um, but it, it jumped a huge bit on me and I can't see. I was trying to make sure that I was getting all these, um, Okay. Yes, I would say the Volusia County politics is very similar to what was happening and what is happening in Ottawa County, Michigan. Volusia County, Florida, Ottawa County, Michigan, very similar. Uh, it's scary. And uh, yet freedom fighters who are average people or average Joes, as you might say, uh, they won, including my friend, uh, good friend, dear friend, Joe Moss, who is now the chair of the Ottawa County Board of Commissioners. Um, after never never having run for anything ever. Um, okay, how can people know about the law when they most likely haven't heard or have access to the judge's decisions? That's actually one of the points that I wanted to make. So for every case that you have, just to kind of round out that conversation, for every case that you have on uh, a point of case law, right, case precedent, you could find a case that says this point over here. You can go and find... Another case that says the opposite thing, and it's not necessarily going to be a, a case that's overturned. It's possible that both cases are somehow still considered good case precedent, okay? Uh, it's possible that both are, you know, considered binding. How do you, whoa, how do you handle that? And, and if one is um, uh, overturned, how do you find that out? I want to say it's LexisNexis that does shepherdizing. Uh, is what they call it when they look through the cases and they'll tell you, the computer program tells you, this case has been overruled by this case or this case. Uh, it's been overruled about this point in particular or whatever. But most of us don't have the, the big bucks to be able to look up in a database like that and have AI do all the, the working and the searching for us and tell us which cases are still good and which cases are not. And why should we have to comb through thousands of pages of cases to be able to understand what the law is on a certain point. That is not what proper notice and opportunity to be heard is all about. You have zero notice and opportunity to be heard on an issue. If you have to do, you know, hours and hours of research to even find what the law is, and even then can't be guaranteed that that's the law that's going to be followed in that case. No, no, it's one thing that we have the constitution and then we have statutes uh, but then you want to add cases to it and say that that's law too. 
that definitely obliterates the whole concept of due process of law. It totally obliterates the idea of having notice and then proper opportunity to be heard. So, um, okay. Uh, oh, man, it just went. Um, okay. <laughs> um, and then Julianne, too, wouldn't Norton fully... Sorry, wouldn't Norton nullify ordinances, et cetera, that are unconstitutional? Uh, here's the thing. We don't need a case to nullify unconstitutional ordinances. What does that? Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution says the United States Constitution is the supreme law of the land. And then you have cases like Marbury versus Madison or Norton or any of these other cases that basically go out and they repeat those words or they paraphrase those words and they say, okay, so what does this mean? If somebody is in an office, but that office was created unconstitutionally or the office itself is inherently unconstitutional, it's not a thing, it's void. Uh, if there's an ordinance that is passed, if there's a state statute, if there's a federal law that is passed and it is unconstitutional, it's void on its face. It's not enforceable. The Constitution is the supreme law of the land. To hold otherwise, to ever say that an unconstitutional ordinance, an unconstitutional state statute, an unconstitutional federal law, that any of those uh, are enforceable at all, uh, and that you have to keep following them while a case is pending in court is literally to say you are you have to weigh something that is unconstitutional with something that is constitutional and that it's an ongoing scale that's happening. That's not what it says. The plain text of the Constitution says the U.S. Constitution is the supreme law of the land, period. So if anything contravenes that or contradicts that, it's not in existence. It's legally void. Yes, Joe on Facebook says Volusia needs average Joes to win elections here. Absolutely. Average everyday people. And Joe, if you're one of those average Joes that wants to uh, put your money where your mouth is, so to speak, and you want to run for any of these offices that we have, there's endless amounts of government offices, unfortunately. Whether it's a local city thing, whether it's a county commission seat, uh, or they call it county council down here, um, whether it's, uh, you know, a prosecuting attorney position or a judgeship or anything. If you want to run for something, uh, then reach out to me. Let me know what you're running for. Let me know if you're a defender of the Constitution and would take your oath of office seriously. And I'd love to uh, go to campaign events with you. I'd love to teach people about the Constitution so that they can then understand when you get up on the stage and you want to tell them, about how you're going to follow that constitution, then they'll know what it actually is that you're going to do. Um, or if you know of people, neighbors or friends, people from your church, coworkers that are gonna run for office, we need to actively support anyone who is constitutionally minded and will actually uphold their oath of office. Um, okay. So it looks like maybe I'm all caught up. Uh, Lori was, uh, doing the, the, the background work there to um, 
bring over comments that for some reason I'm just not able to see from Facebook and we know we weren't going to see any from Rumble. Um, that's unfortunate, but not sure why Facebook's not working. So for those of you who joined us on Facebook today, I appreciate you hanging out with us. Uh, do keep commenting. Head over to YouTube when you can, just because, hey, they're both big tech giants that are awful and evil. Uh, but uh, for whatever reason, YouTube is working for me here and Facebook uh, comments or not. But anyway, uh, make sure to join us. Uh, we'll be here the second Tuesday of each month at noon Eastern Standard Time. Oh, oh my goodness. Lots just came in. Sorry, guys. Give me a second. Um What just happened here? Okay. Um, Joe says, I've run for office the last three times and might run in 2024. Well, I look forward to having a conversation with you. Uh, if you want to get together to talk about some of those things, if you decide to run, um, I think I know who you are now. Um, uh, I do recall a Joe on Facebook that has commented uh, before and we've talked about things. Uh, I just, I don't have the context when I can't see what your full name is, what your profile picture is and all that. Um, that usually helps me. Um, anyway, Liberty Absurdity, uh, a motion to file pro per. Um, I'm not sure what you're asking about there. If you have, uh, if you want to very quickly clarify what your question is, I'd be glad to answer it. Um, and Joe on Facebook clarified that he is a constitutionalist. So awesome. Um, so liberty absurdity again um, in federal court. And still not sure what you're talking about in terms of a, mo a motion to file pro per. So for those of you who don't know, the concept of pro per or in pro per or uh, pro se, different jurisdictions call it different things. That's where you're representing yourself. Now, if you always have the right to represent yourself. You don't have to file a motion to represent yourself. You have that right. In fact, the U.S. Constitution in criminal cases guarantees you the right to assistance of counsel, not to be controlled by counsel. So um, at any rate, um, I'm not sure what the question is. Um, Sorry, I'm sorry, Liberty Absurdity, but you're giving me like little bits and pieces here uh, saying 1983. I don't know if you mean something about uh, 42 USC section 1983 or what specifically one of those claims has anything to do with in being improper. Um, I am not sure, just not sure what your question is. Um, I would love to be able to answer it, but like I said, even if you're talking about a 42 U.S.C. Section 1983 claim that you're filing against a government official um, for violating your rights, still don't know what your question is there in terms of what motion for improper, because proper is, I mean, you have the right to represent yourself. So um, that's just a thing you don't have to file a motion for. Um, anyway, I, I don't know if that answers your question or what your question was, but um I do appreciate all of you tuning in today and participating in the chat, giving us a call. Please make sure to check out our videos. If you haven't seen uh, the newest ones, uh, this is our new format where most of the videos that we put out are going to be these 10 minute or less videos. Two of them have been 15 minutes each, but uh, your short attention spans as an average American can still hang on for the 15 minutes. Anyway, uh, most of them are going to be 10 minutes or less. I'm going to try to even get some more of the 
the YouTube shorts and things posted, or also post them to TikTok. So they're going to be 60 seconds or less on some topics. But again, um, it's it's meant to give you the basics on any given topic and give us a shout out. Let us know if you have a particular topic you think you would like to have covered, and I'll do my best to follow up and, and get a video out on that. But the whole point is to get you, in generally 10 minutes or less, um, the, the main highlights of any particular topic to kind of get you rolling in to know how to do your own research or follow up or go from there. Um, and all the videos that we're going to post between now and the next live video that we're going to do um, are all fair game for you to call in, uh, talk in the chat about, etc. But we'd love to have you call in, share your thoughts, share your questions. Um, we're going to have all kinds of different topics. Um, I'm generally going to try to do, a, you know, at least, you know, a few that are all the same topic just so that it's not totally sporadic and different topics everywhere. Um, I do have the, um, the series on self-representation. Some of them have been longer videos, like in one of our live chats here where it's an hour or two hours long where we're talking about how do you file appeals? How do you, how do you represent yourself when you're going to, uh, fight um, uh, ordinance violation at, at an ordinance violation hearing. How do you do that? I went through step by step how to do that in Michigan and in Florida. Uh, I also had videos on well, how do you file an appeal? So the last female caller that we had, Tears for Liberty, I think is her name. Uh, she um, was saying, well, how do people do that? How do they know if they're not an attorney how to file an appeal? And, you know, when they when it goes to the circuit court and then how do they know how to file an appeal when it goes then up to the uh, the district court of appeal or um, court of appeals is the name in Michigan. Uh, I've done videos on those things. So if you guys have questions on that, there's already a lot of videos out there uh, going forward, though, on, you know, different kinds of motions you need to be aware of, different kinds of steps you need to take or uh, jury considerations as we're watching these. Uh, various trials for Trump uh, unfold, for example, or, um, you know, you might have your own case that you have going on or a loved one or something. Uh, it's all information that we need to know a little bit more how it works because law and order and Judge Judy don't do the justice system justice in terms of educating you on really what all the steps are. So uh, that's what those videos are meant to do. They're generally going to be 10 minutes or less, apparently sometimes 15 minutes, but hang in there, check them out. Uh, we do have them on the podcasting platforms as well as uh, the streaming sites like Facebook, YouTube, Rumble, uh, TikTok. So um, let us know what you think of these new videos. If you like the way that I use text or graphics or um, photos or um, you know, how I show videos of different things at times. Let us know. I have a few different samples out from the first seven of episode, or excuse me, of season three that we have out. We have episodes one through seven already posted. Um, but comment on there or just send us an email. Contact at restorefreedomkh.com. Let us know what your thoughts are and uh, if you like the new format or not. So anyway, um, Jill, uh, Florida looks good on you. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Uh, I love Florida. I grew up in Florida, even though Michigan is uh, always going to be my home as well. Florida has been a big part of my life since the 80s. Let's pretend I didn't say that. I'm only 20. We're going to go with that. I'm only 20. I mean, next Tuesday, my son, my third child turns 20. A human being I gave birth to turns 20 next week. I just, anyway, it's dumbfounding for me. Um, anyway, so 
Um, yes. So thank you for your feedback. This is a public service and Lori and Liberty cause on the new format. And I appreciate all the comments. I think I was able to see everything. It looks like some people started commenting after I was trying to wrap things up here, but, uh, join us next, uh, the next Tuesday, the next second Tuesday of the month at noon Eastern Standard Time, and make sure to call in with those questions. Um, so the number is 616-303-0093. Don't call it in between now and then because nobody's going to be manning that line. Uh, the the uh, OBS software uh, gremlins might answer the phone and tell you to call back uh, when we're doing our next live stream. But as always, it's been a pleasure to have you. Make sure you're out there keeping your freedom fight strong. And remember, together we can restore freedom. Our work to restore freedom would not be possible without support from people just like you. From the various software and hardware needed to the legal research materials, every dollar you can donate helps. Make sure to like and share this video too. And remember to follow and subscribe and click that notification button. Together, we can restore freedom.